All right. Happy Wednesday again. Uh, hi, I'm Bob Krell. I'm your host and the founder and publisher of Healthy Indoors Magazine. And uh, welcome to the Healthy Indoors Live Show. Uh, we've got another great, great show. Uh, we always have great shows. So I, I guess I always have to preface it by saying uh, among the great shows we do, this will be another one of them. But anyway, um, today we'll be joined by the executive director of Siri, the Cleaning Industry Research Institute. Mr. John Downey, he's been on the show before. I'm really looking forward to uh, uh, discussing uh, what's going on with Siri and what's been happening there. Um, so many of you are watching the show, um, I believe, on the Healthy Indoors Online Global Community, which is a platform that you can uh, become part of, join it at uh, global.healthyindoors.com, um, and it will allow you to not just watch shows and wonderful programs like the Healthy Indoors Live show and a lot of other programs that we do, but it'll actually give you the opportunity to network and engage with other professionals in the industry. Uh, one of the other real exciting things we have coming up is uh, for members of the community, if you become a community member, is uh, the Ask Me Anything series. And this is actually a, um, a, a feature that we've uh, started a month ago for the uh, Healthy Indoors Online Global Community members. Uh, once a month, we bring an industry professional in and uh, we actually set up a uh, Zoom call for members. We can come in and you can directly ask questions. It's uh, a moderated forum. Uh, this month, it'll be uh, next Wednesday on the 28th of May from 1 to 2 p.m. And our featured uh, expert this month is Jeffrey May. Jeff May is a, a longtime industry veteran uh, in, in, you know, with indoor air quality, indoor environmental issues. Uh, but Jeff is also uh, one of our longest running columnists in Healthy Indoors Magazine. So we're super excited to have Jeff on board, uh, you know, for this, uh, for this second event. So again, you know, you, you have to join, you have to join the community to do that and become an actual member, but we certainly recommend that you go along and do that. Um, so we'll be back with uh, John Downey on talking about Siri in a minute after this uh, word. Welcome, John Downey, the executive director of Siri. How are you? I'm great, Bob. How are you? I'm, I'm great. I'm, I, you know, I'm always happy when I'm on camera. I guess you know, <laughs> it, it's. It, we were talking in pre-show about you know how many shows we're doing, which is like really crazy. What, the amount of programs we're doing. We just, uh, as of yesterday, uh, dropped a new series. Well, we dropped it two weeks ago, but it was a second episode of a uh, new series for the American Industrial Hygiene Association (AIHA). Right. Uh, the show is uh, Healthier Workplaces. We're super excited. That's that's a show that we'll be uh, doing. It looks like now, uh, at least through the next year, with them uh, every two weeks of uh, uh, first and third uh, Wednesdays of each month. So pretty exciting anyway. Um, but yeah, Very cool. a lot, lot of camera work, you know, I spend well, a lot of time, <laughs> a lot of time in the studio. I want to say that since the last time I was on the show, I think you've up, you've redone your intro uh, graphics and everything. Just absolute 10, 10 out of 10. Oh, Perfectly thank you. Done. What, thank you. Well, you know, we're trying to get stuff. production value. We're trying to get production value. You do. Well, 
Yeah. Well, I mean, you know what? Honestly, what's funny is like we still for our own brand stuff for the healthy indoor stuff, our intros aren't the, aren't the greatest for those. Like the other shows we produce, we do a better job, which is amazing. You know, we, we, our own brand, we tend to it's like, oh, we don't have time to do pr- more production work. Yeah, I'm, I'm in the cleaning business and, and my carpet is always dirty. So, you know, <laughs> I know the like, feeling. yeah, I haven't cleaned the ductwork in my house in like 20 years. You know, <laughs> I mean, like, It's like, oh, uh, yeah. Anyway. So, hey, so um, the last time we had you on the show was prior to the Healthy Buildings 2022 event. Um, which your organization was the uh, host of. Yes, yes. Technically, well, it was or, the Healthy Buildings 2022 event. It was supposed to be 2021, which is really the the, the kind of illustrates the struggles that we had with COVID as it related to that. Uh, it, it, what, the event was in January, late January of 2022. Uh, it was, you know, in our conversation before the show started, we talked a little bit about it, how uh, how big of a struggle the circumstances were. Of course, we wanted to go live in, uh, in Hawaii, and you were very much involved in that. And then at the mm-hmm. last minute, we had to switch to uh, a, a virtual event, which went off. I think about as well as it possibly could have gone mm-hmm. under the circumstances. I mean, it, it was brutal for those. Uh, I, I want to give special uh, uh, shout out to Sarah, uh, who works for me, who did an incredible job. But uh, Carrie Kenny, uh, Richard Shaughnessy, uh, Shannon Hughes was another, the, the staff people. And then we brought in people just for the virtual to train the speakers who right. there were hundreds of speakers of different, including individuals as well as panels. And uh, you know what? <laughs> we all survived it. And I think it went uh, well. In fact, I've gotten a lot of very positive feedback from it. Well, I think people that haven't been involved in the back end of one of these type of events, uh, you know, a, an all virtual event, don't have a true appreciation for how freaking difficult these things are you know and especially your event was more challenging than most because you had approaching 300 presenters from around the planet um we've run a bunch of conferences with 60 70 presenters mostly u.s centric we've done a lot you know with some international but i mean not to the extent that you had and your your cadence as far as how quick you were putting presenters through with that scientific type community presentation you know with 10 minute intervals that's maddening (laughs) (laughs) believe me i know (laughs) you know it's like well i mean you know i I was i I was there too as a presenter and i you know i and having worked in these things i I have an appreciation for how technically difficult that is to queue people up that many people and keep it running and stay relatively on time you stayed on time for the most part for the most part you know what sometimes there was not enough time for Q&A as we would have liked. Uh, but, you know, it, you just do the best that you can. And and um, it, it is important. It's, in fact, it's crucial on a, in a conference like that, that you stay on time because people are planning, uh, you know, for different to attend different things. And uh, when you start running far behind, really, even uh, it's really no different than a in-person conference when a conference is running an hour or two behind 
uh, people become impatient. Now, some people are fine with it, but a lot of people become impatient. So I, you know, I was, I was really pleased. I was really displeased that we had to do what we had to do, but I was really pleased with the way we were able to execute when, you know, when, when push came to shove, we were able to execute effectively. So, well, that was a last minute pivot you had to do too. I mean, that was the thing you were up until what, uh, not long before Christmas, you were still, you know, thinking about three, being in person. Three weeks. It, yeah. was, it, it was almost, it was after Christmas that we made the final decision. And um, it, it was, I mean, it was just, it, you just, there were no normal work weeks then. I mean, it was just, you worked as long as you needed to work and, and uh, got things done. Uh, you know, the thing that was good about that conference was, um, and, and, you know, it's kind of a, it's, I'm going to go with the good part first and then uh, talk a little bit about the, what I will describe as the disappointing or some, maybe something that didn't go as I had hoped uh, about the event. But the amount of participation on the part of speakers, presenters, uh, whether, you know, including, uh, you know, the normal uh, oral abstracts as well as the uh, posters, which we did some really unique things with posters uh, and, and made them a lot, made them come alive for that type of, uh, because it, they, they were more than what typical poster would be in a live conference because of, you know, just, it gave us some ability to do that. Uh, and, mm -hmm. but we also did doing the same sort of thing that you would do in a live conference would have, I hate to say it, but it would have been kind of a waste of time. Uh, but the, but the participation both from within the industry, as well as within the academic community. And I know, uh, on several different workshops, there was a, a lot of, uh, interaction between practitioners and researchers in different areas. And I was, that was one of the things I hoped would be there, it would, would, would happen uh, from the conference. And I, I really felt good about the fact that it did. Uh, by and large, I thought there was really good um, uh, cooperation in that way. And again, it's it's always a challenge, you know, when you have to go full online, full virtual, it's challenging. I mean, our original plans, we, we were involved with, with that to do a hybrid event. So you're going to be in person from Hawaii, live in person, and we were going to live stream a portion of it. And then you ended up having to pare it down a little. You're originally going to have four tracks, I think, and you went to three tracks, but you live stream three tracks, which is... I honestly very challenging <laughs> yeah. no seriously anytime you go more than a single track i mean we've done single track and double track and i remember you know we, we had the opportunity to give you an rfp and it was like no i don't want to do a three track <laughs> it's like i didn't even want to walk us you did i was gonna say you didn't want to do that i know i when i look i know, I know having done two i know hard two is and i'm like oh i don't right. want to add one more tier of uh, you know I, I wasn't, I wasn't comfortable being able to pull it off and I'm pretty comfortable usually, you know what I mean? Right, so that's right. So, so kudos to you and your team to do that because in that well, limited amount of time, what you pulled off was pretty remarkable. I would say, you know, Sarah Larson <laughs> gets all the credit. Well, you know, somebody, and the thing is, is 
again, the behind the scenes, you're not, not to belabor this, but I know what the back end is like on these kind of events and the phone calls and the crazy, the emails and the texts and everybody, you know, I mean, it's, it's terror in the back end usually. It, and people, I will say this, people were great. I'm talking about the presenters. They, in terms of, they understood, they cooperated and it was, it was really good. Um, I, we couldn't have been happier with how, cooperative they were and i but i think part of that was you know to give us a little credit they really appreciated the fact that of how uh strongly we were working on transitioning this successfully and we were friendly and accommodating where when they needed again i'll say sarah's name once again but you know really everybody um uh carrie uh uh, Andy uh, Curry was uh, also helping out. She helped me with vendors, which, I mean, we had a tremendous response uh, for the Healthy Buildings Conference from vendors, but they were expecting an in-person conference. They wanted face-to-face right. talk. So, you know, the transition to a virtual conference uh, with vendors, what we had to figure out on, in very short uh, notice ways to bring them into the conference in a you know in a way that would be uh, valuable because uh, they pay good money. So sure. and that's uh, really and that's really that may be the hardest thing to do, John. Uh, you know, trade virtual trade shows to this day have never really worked that well. I mean, we, we dabble with that so many times on different events over the years, and it's hard. It, it's hard. It's hard to get. You can't get that trade show experience, you know, because that's that person to person walk in the booths. Exactly. You really can't emulate that online. Yes, that's that's exactly true. Uh, but I, I mean, we were we did the best that we could, and mm -hmm. I again, what they appreciated was how much effort we put into making it a good experience for them even though it wasn't going to be live in person in in hawaii so that i was i was really pleased with with most of the areas at the com you know of the conference uh even though it was uh virtual and believe me we did not want to go virtual if we didn't have to absolutely have to yeah. among other things i live in ohio January in Ohio or January in Hawaii, and my wife was coming, and some other family members were coming. So uh, that part of it too was uh, a little disappointing. But you yeah, got to do what I, you got to do. I was a little disappointed, to be honest. I know you I, were. I was, I was kind of looking. You know, I mean, I wasn't really excited about the the prospects of lugging. You know, probably eight hundred pounds of equipment on an airplane over there, but. But uh, but it was going to be we were going to stay for an extra couple of weeks. So that, that was our plan, too. My wife. Right. And I, so, you know, right. so, yeah. So that that vacation never happened. But overall, I think the event was successful. So I have. So here's here's the, the pointed question. Ever going to do this again? <laughs> <laughs> well, honestly, well, the answer is probably not. But, um, you know, it, Kind of relatedly, uh, the indoor air conference is going to be in Hawaii. I, I, I gosh, I hope I'm not jumping the gun on this, but um, and uh, initially, Siri was going to to participate in that directly, but as we found the, um, you know, the well. 
some things changed with Siri, which we'll talk about in terms of our focus and scope. Uh, and also the, uh, the indoor air conference is not the same as a healthy buildings conference in the sense that it is pretty much all research and all researchers or primarily as opposed to uh, bringing uh, researchers and practitioners together. So, you know, the more we looked at it, the reason we wanted to do it, and I, frankly, I participated uh, uh, in developing things from uh, February uh, up and really into July of this year, helping Richard Shaughnessy out uh, on uh, putting together a proposal for ISIAC. And um, the, the, the good thing about it is we already had done all the legwork to figure out how, you know, how to do a conference, where to do a conference, what are the things you got to be aware of, all those back end things that you were talking about, Bob, mm -hmm. uh, in Hawaii. We had already gone to the trouble to do that. It was extreme. The Healthy Buildings Conference was extremely well received. And so even though we ultimately, in, in terms of registrations and people submitting abstracts, ex way beyond what was originally projected. Mm -hmm. So we figure people want to go to Hawaii and uh, Asia wants to go to Hawaii. We sure. had incredible number of people, especially from Japan, who had signed up to, to go to the conference. So, uh, so long story short, Directly, no. I probably will have some. I will probably participate in the indoor air conference uh, in what 2024 uh, in some way, but it won't be an official Siri. Siri won't be a, uh, involved as the host. So, so let's let's talk about Siri now. So there, there's been some changes. Uh, um, well, first, first for those in the audience, the viewing audience that are not familiar with Siri, it's the Cleaning Industry uh, Research Institute, right? Got that right? Yep. Um, got so, it. Uh, so tell just tell us about you know uh, who you are, what you what what your purpose is, and uh, and what's going on. So Siri's been around for 17 years. Uh, it's History, its uh, beginnings are in the commercial cleaning sector. And that even to this day, that's that's really where it is best known. Um, Siri actually began its work by establishing um, uh, some methodology for uh, uh, testing or, uh, te well, basically cleaning testing. Uh, to figure out how to measure cleaning effectiveness. And they developed, uh, you know, basically from that work, uh, they, they, they determined that the best way to measure cleaning effectiveness at that time, this was going back to somewhere around 2007, 2008, but I think it pretty much carries through to today, uh, is using ATP as, as your measure. And uh, from that work, uh, in conjunction with the ISSA, the International Sanitary Supply Association, uh, Siri and ISSA developed a standard for cleaning uh, K to 12 schools. Uh, they then later uh, ISSA developed a uh, kind of a companion standard for cleaning buildings, and that was where Siri started. And I, I'm 
I'll kind of skip ahead, uh, Siri, over that time, there were, it went through a, s several research projects, some that turned out better than others. It's um, the cleaning industry is not an industry that has done a lot of research, especially not published research. So the idea of Siri is to kind of establish the science behind cleaning processes. And so that's, that's what they did. Uh, and an industry that doesn't necessarily focus on that, but focuses on how quickly can it be done? How mm -hmm. cheap can I do it? <clears throat> right. I uh, think, and, and still make money. Those are kind of the th areas of concern. Uh, it, it has has always been a bit of a struggle, uh, to, to be honest. So I got involved in 2017 um, and with Siri. So it, it had been several years into Siri's uh, existence before I got involved. And I came from a different industry. I came from the professional cleaning and disaster restoration industry. Carpet cleaning, excuse me, and disaster restoration. And uh, so that is a, an affiliated industry to that with commercial cleaning, but it's also very different. And that also, especially in disaster restoration, brings in remediation, brings in in a greater, in a, in a more significant way, indoor air, indoor air quality, uh, all of those factors, uh, surfaces, uh, health all those things. And uh, so what, with my involvement, I and I actually came uh, from, I had previously published a journal for the IICRC, the Institute of Inspection, Cleaning and Restoration Certification, which I would imagine many, if not most of your uh, viewers will be somewhat familiar with. Sure. And uh, IICRC published a, a peer-reviewed journal for about I think it was three plus years, but ultimately they decided to discontinue it. And when they decided to discontinue it, I approached Siri, talked to them about the possibility of doing a peer review journal for them. What did they think? How would that work? And from there, you know, kind of one thing led to another. We, we did a few uh, symposia. Mm -hmm. uh, we have published about 10 issues of our peer review journal over that time. Uh, so that's kind of where Siri came from. Um, the struggle for Siri, and, and you know, it, it's a struggle that a lot of associations have, although most associations. Uh, are trade associations, and Siri is not a trade association. It is a, a different type of organization, and uh, I'll come back to that in a second. But what we have in common with a lot of trade associations is it's hard to um, uh, develop a sustainable uh, uh, financial model, uh, revenue model. And uh, in the five years I've been involved with Siri, as executive director, we would go up and down. I mean, it was a roller coaster ride. Uh, when uh, COVID first hit, uh, we we did great for a while, but and, and we 
because there was an intense interest in the sorts of things that Siri did. Uh, but as that waned, uh, you know, revenues kind of go, they spike and then they go down. I never have taken a salary with Siri. I have been paid as revenues allowed. Uh, but I, I've reached the point where, quite frankly, um, I'm, I'm pretty much at retirement age. I'm 65. And I... Hush your mouth. <laughs> Well, it is what it is. <laughs> it is, what it is. I, yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I'm not going out uh, easily. Well, and I'm not either. Uh, but, you know, but the days when I can, and I also own a, uh, I mentioned earlier, I own a carpet cleaning business. So I'm involved in that business that pays the bills. Uh, and Siri does not, but I probably over the past five years on average put in 30 to 40 hours a week on Siri business often without uh, being paid. I'll put it this way. If I had been paid minimum wage for my work with Siri, I would have gotten, I would have had a big pay boost for, for compared to what I got. So it, it but I, I just reached a point in my life where I'm willing and able and committed to continuing to, to do what I can to help establish and, and communicate the, the science behind cleaning, restoration, remediation. Uh, but I can't do it for that, that kind of time. So, so the scope of series work, especially its public, I'll call it its, its public face, its uh, it is going to go down a lot because that was a lot PR work, <laughs> doing things like being on podcasts <laughs> with you, which I do because of you. Uh, but, you know, the, the idea of, of spending that much time uh, over the, you know, for me, it, I, I don't, I don't choose to do it anymore. I've, I've been working 80 to hundred hours a week for, uh, too many years, uh, seven days a week, too many years. So I, I need to cut back. And I, I talked to the Siri executive committee a few times and ultimately what we have decided, you know, what we, the first thing we decided is that Siri is not going to go away, that Siri has d done too many valuable things ha and, and still has a unique place in the industry and we need to figure out a way to make it uh, to to maximize what Siri provides to the market. The market being the cleaning and restoration industries, and in uh, in in doing that, you know, we're we're going to kind of narrow. We're going to continue to publish our journal, which is a peer review journal. We're going to actually uh, open up our website. Uh, to non-members of Siri as well, members uh, already get it, and we're going to uh, really focus on uh, technical peer-reviewed research articles. That uh, uh, you know, all of all of those issues of the journal will be uh, available to anyone. Um, the the um, I think that's the only, currently that may be the only one that's available. 
the cha- the name is also changed, but we'll I won't get into that right now. <laughs> okay. Uh, <laughs> so um, we're going to focus on that. We're going to uh, stay away. We're not going to try and build our brand. We're going to try and find ways to provide greater value to the industry. Now. If I could, I, I'll kind of do two things, talk about two things together because they do go together. Uh, one is I mentioned earlier that Siri is not a trade association. It, what it is, it's a technical nonprofit organization uh, under the IRS code. It's a 501c3, and as that type of organization, trade associations are responsible to their members. Mm-hmm. Organizations like Siri are specifically not responsible to their members. They're they're responsible to the industry that they uh, represent, and even more so, they are responsible to the public interest. Mm-hmm. That's the type of organization they are. So, what does that mean in in practice? It means if I if Siri if I'm not going to name names, but if a trade association wanted to do research or wanted to report on research that was done or uh, coordinate uh, research efforts. If a trade association did that and it had an adverse impact on one or more of its members, even though it was it was good, useful information, there, those members would have a legal recourse to prevent that information from going out or even to uh, take legal action against the association. That's not the case with an organization like Siri. We're actually we're required to the extent that that's within our mission to provide good, useful information that is not promotional of any uh, particular um, uh, vested interest. And so being that kind of an organization, that's where we we believe Siri has a uh, provides a unique benefit to the industry or industries actually that it serves. Um, that leads to the other thing that, and, and I'm I'm kind of to some extent I'm getting ahead of my executive committee, but uh, we've had some uh, discussions about this. It isn't something that has actually been. Um, rubber stamped or not rubber stamped. It hasn't actually been uh, approved uh, fully yet. It has been uh, in, it has been in a, um, in, uh, it's, it's tentative. It's tentative. It Yes. Tentative. Is that too strong a word or is it under consideration? Ten, no, I, I think it, I okay. think tentative is a, is the right okay. word where, um, Siri needs to just focus on, in a very narrow way, on figuring out effective ways to measure the things that the industries we serve do, measure cleaning performance uh, as it relates to surfaces, uh, as it relates to, and different types of surfaces. How do you measure, you know, you can't use ATP effectively on carpet. So how do you measure 
cleaning effectiveness on carpet? And how do you do it in a way that it's fair to all the different systems out there that uh, are used to clean? How can you, you know, uh, measure that uh, without being providing a bias? And that's where, again, Siri goes in because we don't have a bias. We must not have a bias uh, other than the, the most effective ways of measurement in, in this case. So I'm, I'm kind of thinking, you know, ASTM has a lot of uh, technical standards where they focus on uh, basically, how do you test to do this? How do you test to do that? EPA has government standards that tell people where their scientists have told people how to test for this and that. My thought is that, and, and the executive committee has, um, as I said, tentatively agreed that this is what we would like to focus on, that this would be a, a good, useful um, purpose for Siri moving forward. It is, uh, you know, not high profile. We're not going to go out and we're not going to test five different cleaning methods and declare su such and such is, is the winner. We're going to let basically we're going to let people know that we have developed tests for different types of cleaning uh, and it can be cleaning you know it's going to be disinfection it can be uh, related to uh, remediation uh, restoration uh, just general uh, cleaning cleaning mm -hmm. in hospitals things like that uh, and different surfaces all kind I mean even if you think about it even within hard surfaces, there are so many different ones. Tabletops, mm -hmm. what kind of tabletop? Sure. So th that's kind of what we are um, leaning towards doing moving forward. Uh, it, it would it will enable me to continue my work with Siri. I'm going to focus primarily on the journal, uh, and the journal will be will be conveying that research that uh, that that work that Siri does on establishing uh, testing protocols. So uh, that's kind of that's kind of okay. what we're where we are right now. Um, and I, I will know more. Yeah, I mean, and it's not so much of a paradigm shift as it is just a little bit of a redirection and a ref uh, more of a, a focus change, maybe. Right. Just now, it's a narrow. It's a narrowing. Yeah, you're you're narrowing focus. it down. You're still doing the same stuff you always did, and what your original purpose was with the organization. You're just you're you're just cha changing your focus. I think a that's it, that's a, yeah, that's exactly right. We're we, we by being narrower in focus uh, and kind of not ramping up, but ratcheting down some of the other activities, we mm -hmm. reduce our expenses so that we can live within our means. And, uh, mm -hmm. and that's what we have to do. And you know what, I can give five or 10 hours a week to Siri, I can do and am happy to, mm -hmm. but I can't continue to do 30 or 40 hours a week. And uh, we have a variety of volunteers. In fact, I'll, I'll mention to you, we uh, just sent out a, um, a survey to members and supporters of Siri, uh, asking for uh, you know their willingness and areas that they would be happy to that they would be willing to volunteer and assist Siri, and had, we've had a great response to that. I've been very pleased, and so we're going to have to become 
even more a volunteer organization in order to do things that the end well we need to do what the industry wants us to do we 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 can't right right it's not our job to decide that other than you know we know we want to do this uh figuring out of how to test Mm -hmm. uh but beyond that uh we'll, we'll you know the volunteers will kind of drive the different areas that they want to participate in well, I mean, so let's talk a little bit more just about cleaning standards and some of the challenges with that. So your current standards based largely on ATP, adenosine triphosphate swaps, which, which is looking for organic material, but doesn't pick up inorganics. Correct. So chemicals and different different particulate that's not organic in nature, you're not going to pick up with ATP. So is that something that's in, on the horizon, you know, to look at? Because obviously, we're, I know there's a big focus on, you know, remediation, dealing with mold and bacteria, you know, and obviously now, you know, in the advent of this uh, pandemic, the, the whole viral issue, you know, cleaning up viral constituents, you know, a lot of concern in that. I'm not really convinced that you can look for viral with ATP. Uh, I guess it's not alive, doesn't have adenosine triphosphate, but right. um, but typically, you know, it's, it, that all gets lumped together as microbiological for some reason. Uh, but so what, what other, I mean, you are serious looking into maybe exploring some other testing methodologies to look, look at different types of constituents. We, you always want to be looking for what's, you know, what, what, can you, what can you uh, find? I will tell you what Siri determined when they went with ATP. And we've actually, uh, at this time, we've stayed, uh, kind of stayed the course, if you will, with ATP. Although ATP does not measure, as you said, uh, non-living things, things that do not contain uh, uh, ATP. The, they, what it, provides is a marker for effectiveness because you're going to find ATP pretty much anywhere that you find, I'll just say in the very general term, bugs or dirt. You're going to find ATP. People, skin cells. I mean, we're, we're, we're shedding particles that are organic. All the time. Uh, And so what, no, it does not, we're not measuring, it, it was kind of a big deal when, uh, it was kind of an object, objection rather than a big deal uh, that we, Siri heard when uh, COVID started that we recommended using ATP to test for cleaning efficacy related to COVID. Our feeling was that and this was before we got into airborne as opposed to surfaces. Sure, sure. And of course, anything that's in the air is going to go to surfaces. Anything on surfaces, especially incredibly small, is going to go into the air. Yeah, and, but, there's, and there's still there's still discussion whether fomite transmission is real or not, and you know with that with that virus. Right, but, yeah. right, right. With that, but what we're trying to do is figure out. All right, so in a in a in a reasonable way, how can you test? How can you measure? And uh, that Siri took the position that that uh, a, a process that utilized ATP to before and after cleaning would give you a uh, realistic uh, uh, 
idea of how effective the cleaning had been. Is it telling you that you had this much COVID, you know, this much COVID on surfaces before and this much after? No, it doesn't. But it does tell you that you have this much contamination before and then afterwards you have 80% less contamination. Mm -hmm. And therefore you are, you are doing what you need to on the other, you know, you're going in the right direction. And that's ultimately, you know what, with cleaning, it's always that way. You, you mentioned skin cells, which are, you know, pouring out of us all the time. Sure. Uh, A variety of others. So anything you clean is immediately dirtied in a realistic sense. Mm -hmm. But so it's, it's never a perfect you're not trying to create a perfect, clean, perfectly clean environment. You're trying to uh, maintain an environment at, in a healthy or healthful state. Well, I think it's all in the messaging too. And again, I, I would concur that using ATP as a marker for hygiene, for cleanliness, it, it's it's a reasonable marker. The problem is that some of the messaging, I'm not necessarily you know putting it on your organization, but just in general that was out in the space where people are saying, we're going to test for SARS-CoV-2 on surfaces with ATP. And it's like, no, you're not. It's like, you know, directly, that's not a direct way to test for that. And so I'm a stickler for, you know, making sure that the messaging is tight, but I, I totally concur with, you know, your use of it. You know, at that point, you're looking for high, you know, trying to get surfaces clean. That's a good, quick, relatively inexpensive way to trace for that. Right. So... And that's a, the other thing related to that. And, and, and Bob, I hope we find, we have to find different ways of measuring cleaning efficacy, cleaning effectiveness, uh, because of the characteristics of different surfaces. ATP works on a particular type of surface sure. in particular. It doesn't work on everything equally. Uh, so we need to find uh, other ways of doing it. But in the interim, one of the th- import, really important things with, uh, you know, with cleaning uh, measurement is it has to be something that can be, is, can be done easily, quickly, and inexpensively. Uh, it, because it isn't, otherwise it isn't going to get done, uh, except in very highly specialized circumstances. That was when, when Siri did the original research where they ended up uh, recommending ATP, they that was not what they started with. They they had several other um, um, technologies that they thought would be better, but uh, it turned out that for the purposes of of what they were trying to uh, learn, the best method was ATP. You know, it makes total sense. I, and, and honestly, you know, I I've, I've been using ATP since I think two thousand or two thousand one. Um, it's great technology and it's, it, I think this is the key point that you're hitting on. It's technology that doesn't have to be used by a consultant necessarily, not by a highly skilled investigative person. It's something that anybody can, you know, once they're taught how to, you know, properly use the swab and swab a surface. I mean, they're sticking it in a meter. It's a direct read, right? Light units. Sure. It's, it's right. really not hard. It's, it's, I mean, it's of all the tests that you can do, it's probably the most easy test in the field that somebody can do without screwing up. So, and it's fairly inexpensive, a couple bucks, right. you get right. A couple bucks per sample and you, you have results right. back in 60 seconds. Right. That's a big deal. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And, and it do, you don't have to be, I mean, there is some training you need to be, oh, sure. you need to be in, in term that your samples need to be consistent. If they're inconsistent, your, your results are going to be inconsistent. 
but you don't right, need yeah, to be a scientist. Yeah, you have to get the surface right, area. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If yeah. you are sampling, one guy is sampling a two by two inch area, and the other is a foot by a foot. They're yeah. going to get very different results. Right. right. Uh, so those are those are just common sense things. But sure. the other things are much more complex. You know that you know Absolutely. that may, this is so. You know, again, I we we will look at, I would love to see, and I've, I've heard there's some other technologies out there, especially related uh, to air that, uh, because ATP does, isn't an effective uh, technology. And that's obviously, that's what um, your part of the industry is, is involved in. And there's a ton of important information there. So, uh, and I will say this, the indoor air community is much more involved in science than the part of the industry that I came from. And, and to some extent, since, you know, you came through the, through uh, HVAC cleaning, duct cleaning. Uh, yeah, don't give us too much credit. I, I was going to, well, I was going to say, I, you're probably I'm, more like us. Uh, <laughs> me personally. Yeah. I mean, I, that, that I, I came from the practice, you know, from the, uh, from the contractor side. You know, and, right. But right from this, right from the start or from my first year in the industry, I realized back in the 80s that what I was being told by vendors at the time back, you know, and things I was being told didn't add up. And and me being the inquisitive little idiot that I was back then, I was like, you know, we're not doing this right. I can already tell. I don't know what the right way is, but I know what we're doing is kind of messed up. We need to work on this. You know, yeah. So it's, yeah. And I think a lot of people, you know, a lot of people now and now we're all old. That's the scary part. Like, you know, <laughs> I, I was in my I was in my late 20s at that point. Uh, you know, and it's it, I, all the all all my peers from that from that era now are, you know, we're the old vanguard. But I, I think, yeah, we, we were conscious of the fact that a lot needed to be learned. And, and it still does. We, we're, we're so at the infantile stages of this industry, sadly, after, you know, 30 years, we haven't really moved the ball that far forward. We need to do a lot more, I think. Yeah, I agree with that. Although, you know, we may, we've, I mean, I'm not saying we haven't made advancements. I'm not going to be totally cynical. No, here. Yeah, I know. I know. But there's more. I, We're not done. We're not done. Definitely not done. And, you know, I, I guess I would tend to be, um, uh, more disappointed that we aren't doing more. But if I look at it realistically, I think we made more progress than in terms of awareness than we, than we're aware of them. <laughs> we're more aware than we are aware. Right. Um, in the sense that um, I, I think the younger generation and it, for the most part, have an awareness that we did not honestly I didn't. I mean, I just assumed what we were doing <laughs> was the right thing to do, was the right way to do it. Mm -hmm. um, everybody was dependent on vendors to for, to tell them, you know, you know what is effective, what is ineffective. Of course, then they start fighting and about what is good and bad and, right. and different. Uh, and then, but you know, my part of the industry. And I don't think he was involved so much in in yours. Uh, benefited incredibly from the participation of Mike Barry in the cleaning industry. Mm -hmm. And uh, I, I know you are at least somewhat familiar with Mike, oh, sure. but yeah. but M Mike basically uh, he he challenged everybody to take a look at your paradigm 
And he famously said at an IICRC meeting that your, your industry is going to be regulated. That's, that's a given. The only question is whether you do it or the government does it. And Mike was an EPA official at that time. Right. And he said, trust me, you don't want the, the government to do it. And so in, in the case of IICRC, they've done tremendous work in that area. And I know in uh, duct cleaning, uh, NATCA sure. has done sure. as established standards. It was in the same era, too. That was back in, you know, in the early 90s. Um, yeah, we did a lot of, you know, we got involved with EPA with research. We got, you know, standards were set um, at that point, you know, because it was really Wild West before, you know, before that organization right. was formed. I mean, there was. You know, the, the mindset was you just take a gazillion CFM vacuum hose and hook it up to a house and you go around with compressed air and blast it around in the vents and you're done. And it's like, come on, that's not really, <laughs> that's really not doing very much. Just stirring up and, dust. And, you, and if you collapse the duct system, uh, you prob it's probably a problem. <laughs> please. The early days were, I, I, it's, I, I still have nightmares about, you know, 1990 and, you know, or even the late 80s and some of the stuff that we, you know, saw and did. Like, but we're but, learning. Yeah, right? yeah. Well, we that's the learning. thing. I mean, that's progress. I mean, you, you know, it, there's nothing wrong with, you know, with acknowledging that maybe what you did 10, 20, 30 years prior wasn't as good as it could have been. But you, you do everything based on the knowledge you have at that time. I mean, that's right. not unreasonable. You, you know, what you you only can know what you know. I mean, I, I think the hardest part, especially with a scientific based industry or industries, you know, take it under one big tent, everything we're doing, indoor environment stuff, right? So which, mm -hmm. which cleaning is part of indoor environment. It's all right. part of it, you know, making the, the indoor environment healthier, more habitable. Um, you know, we we still know a lot right now. I mean, now coming out of this pandemic, we I think it's made people a lot more attuned. I'm, I'm talking the general community now. I mean, the industry has always right. been attuned to this, but the general it, the general community, general public now worldwide is more concerned about the quality of their indoor environments. Yes, absolutely. You know, I mean, at least it's on the table now. So this is a great opportunity, I think, for all the various silos in the in the collective industry to push this thing forward and and make some you know real substantial progress. I hope. Uh, you know, with what you just said, I hope you don't mind. A, a kind of, it's a little bit of a segue. Oh, go for it. But it, it it's um, in my cleaning business. Um, I, I I do a blog. And uh, I, I just last week uh, posted the blog uh, about a very unusual and, and strong increase in upholstery cleaning uh, that I had noticed in my business. Now, I, I, this is entirely anecdotal because it only has to do with my business, but probably the amount of upholstery cleaning that we do compared to, I, I would say three years ago, uh, is, is probably triple and um, to at least two to three times as much. And, you know, I, I, I in the, again, it's speculating, but I, my speculation is that it has to do with greater awareness on the part of the public about cleaning and disinfection and surfaces that they use. Um, Upholstery has always been there. We are in intimate contact mm -hmm. with upholstery, uh, but 
for carpet cleaning in general, probably historically, it might account to for maybe five or ten percent of your total revenues. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it has, as I said, it's doubled to tripled in the case of my business in the last three years. And, so and since twenty twenty, since twenty twenty, really, okay. really, the big difference has just been this year. I would mm-hmm. say the big difference was in twenty twenty two, and uh, you know, I, I, I again. That has to would have to do with a greater awareness on the part of the public, uh, and I think in the in the part of carpet cleaning companies, they need to do a better job of uh, communicating the value and benefit of that. Well, I think one of the things we learned a long time ago with the, with the joint study that EPA uh, uh, collaborated with NATCON back in the uh, the it was actually the mid to late 90s we started it in 96 and i think we concluded it in uh, 98 it was a pilot study for air duct cleaning but one one of the things that came up that was blatantly apparent was if you weren't doing a total environmental clean of a property just cleaning out the hvac system did not significantly in most cases benefit the overall indoor environment the indoor air quality in the space you know without going through and actually doing detailed cleaning on upholstery on uh, draperies on you know carpet you know finished floors right you know right. If, if you didn't if you didn't do everything it, it, it depends i mean there, there were exceptions obviously if a system was grossly contaminated then cleaning that did have a direct effect but like a, in an average environment where there wasn't gross mechanical system contamination you weren't making a, a a major impact on the overall indoor air quality. It's and interesting, that, but it's true. Yeah. It's true. I mean, and, and again, right. it was a limited study, but it, it, you know, it, it it didn't surprise me. You know, having worked on that and been the project manager for that, I wasn't surprised at all because you know we were doing a lot of stuff on our own, doing laser particle counts in spaces and looking at pre and post, and and they did it very detailed with a you know big scientific team on on these pilot uh, buildings, and uh, yeah, it was. It, it, it was uh, astounding to see that, you know, uh, what what you got there in the environment. And again, cleaning, I think cleaning is imperative, you know, cleaning everything. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that, right. that's the first step in having a good indoor environment. If you don't properly clean. And you'll never, you know, what you what's important. And, and, and this is what we need to let scientists know is you're never going to have and, and they do know, really. But um, sometimes I think practitioners are kind of intimidated that that they can't get to this point. And this point is reasonable uh, levels of cleanliness. You know, you're it's you're not going to have a clean room. You can't have clean room cleanliness all over. And I'm not sure well, you, that you especially really can't want it. in normal environments because the normal environments are designed to be clean rooms. There's too much porosity. We, the products exactly. and the finishes and the things in there are not conducive to being a clean room. Right. Right. Uh, they're not going to be. So what, and, and to, you know what, we've made it really, Bob, I think we've made a lot of progress in, in a, um, um, in an overall way towards having more, uh, uh, cleaner environments, more uh, hygienically, uh, uh, I don't want to, I say hygienically clean, I'm just reiterating the same thing, but that the the environment is relatively healthful. I mean, you know, people are, we we have all kinds of uh, bodily systems that uh, protect us. 
And uh, we have less need for protection today, I think, than we had 20, 30, 50 years ago, especially in, in you know, like the uh, first world countries, United States, Europe, uh, those places where there's lots of uh, um, awareness uh, of the importance of cleaning. And uh, for the most part, I think the cleaning that is done is effective. No, it, it makes sense. Um, and, and again, I, I think so much study, you know, so much research has come out, you know, with uh, Sloan Institute's uh, microbiome studies and, and just, you know, understanding the fact that, you know, we don't necessarily want to go in and, you know, and nuke the indoor environment, you know, and, and you know, the whole premise of we're going to kill everything, but, it's, you know, it's not necessarily beneficial because you set the whole biome off balance. Now, during the pandemic, there was this right carte blanche thing of we got to go in and fog and blast everything again, because at the early, especially the early stages that nobody really had a great understanding. You know, so it was like it made sense. Inactivity seemed unacceptable. So you had to do something. So guys in suits with foggers seemed like a reasonable response. You know, I didn't think so. I didn't either. <laughs> I mean, I, I, you know, people say, I, you no, know, I, I get it. I get it. Why? But, and, honestly, right, they did. I didn't either. I, I kept and on, on the shows back then. You know, it's like you must be really busy out deconning buildings. I go, you know, as a consultant, I go, no, I'm not because it's no. <laughs> that's <laughs> right. not the problem. As soon as people come back in the building, they're the vector. It's like <laughs> unless we're going to, you know, actually put bleach in people. Which I don't necessarily advocate. <laughs> uh, you know, it's like I, we're not real. You know, it's like this whole sanitizing. I mean, eh. but but see, there are, there's exceptions to that too, right? When you have high transfer environments like schools, where kids are multiple seatings at different desks and moving around, doing that real thorough daily, you know, wipe down, sanitizing, cleaning. That actually does make sense on those high touch, high contact, high turnover environments. Absolutely. I completely agree. But that isn't the same as coming in with a fogger and fogging every building, every <laughs> right, <laughs> everywhere. Uh, sorry about that. Had to thought I had that off. Yeah, the you have uh <laughs> well yeah but school buses that are you know yeah. and, and that are and of course they, they probably needed it, but they were it just they weren't cleaning. They yeah. were just fogging. They were just bombing, and, you know, bombing, and, spray, and, uh, spraying, yeah, bio, yeah. spraying biocides, you know. Yeah, and, and actually, Siri came out early and 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 strongly against that approach to it, even though I mean, everybody knew it was going. I knew it was going to happen. I'm sure you knew it was going to happen. Mm -hmm. There was too much money to be made doing it for it not to happen. That's like uh, the mold rush in 2000. You know, yes. same, same thing. I mean, we we it's you know. Every 20 years, we have something that, you know, ma makes us go crazy. Right. And and that's a good point, because especially, you know, in the SARS-CoV-2 thing, you know, an enveloped virus actually is with a detergent surfactant. That's all you really need. You don't actually to clean a surface and deactivate it. You don't actually need a killer biocide. You know, detergent does right. a pretty good job. Yes. <laughs> so just uh, clean. in a practical <laughs> sense, if you, clean, do, you know, <laughs> right. That's and that's one of the things that Syria yeah. said. I mean, in yeah. in most situations in a practical way, effective cleaning works. Again, I'll go back. That's kind of why Siri kind of thinks what we need to be focused on is how do we measure it? How do we measure cleaning effectiveness in a, in a way that is not biased and will give good, clear answers to that? And if we can do that, I think Siri has done something 
important and valuable, not only, and again, this goes to our mission, who we're responsible to, not not necessarily to our members, but for the industry and most importantly, for the public. By doing that makes that. total sense. And honestly, having the, having those um, accepted methods of ver- validating, you know, verifying that sort of thing, that's critical because without that, we're all operating in the dark, whatever. And, and that's true for any industry, for any sector in the indoor environmental industry. If you don't have some way of quantifying and measuring and, you know, and, and some replicatable, <laughs> reliable way of doing that, I mean, what what are you doing? <laughs> right, exactly. And, <laughs> you know, and unfortunately, oh, it looks good for my house. Exactly. Well, people keep calling me, so I must be good. <laughs> yeah, well. yeah, we're we're busy every day. We're booked, <laughs> so we must be doing a great job. It's like not necessarily, you know. Well, it's kind of the emperor's new suit going on there a little yeah, bit. You yeah, know? <laughs> yes, exactly. You know, so. so yeah, what a terrible thing to say, but it's you know there's some truth to that. So so we're we're coming up on we're on the hour. So uh, but we're never like unlike broadcast television where we're dictated by the hundreds of a second, we can go a, few, a minute or so over or two or. <laughs> seven, whatever it takes. Uh, final thoughts, because I, I want to give you an opportunity if there's some, you know, some point that we didn't cover, because it always goes so fast. Huh, well, it seems like we covered, uh, covered quite a, a lot. bit. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, I think probably the, uh, a couple final thoughts. Uh, one thing we I, I kind of passed through, and I really don't think I should, uh, related to the Healthy Buildings Conference uh, in Syria, and that is that uh, the one area that I was disappointed in on that conference was that we were not able to get better participation. We had a, a, we had good participation in terms of people doing abstracts and participating on uh, panels and things like that. But in terms of people attending the conference to learn from the information there, uh, I, I feel as though... Um, there's still a lot of work to be done. And you and I have had conversations about this and it's kind of hard to figure out how to make, you know, what is missing. Uh, I really thought that by making this available, it it would be uh, embraced. Excuse me. I'm sorry. Should have turned it off again. Um, Happens. So, um, you know, that is, is an area that I, I just, as a takeaway from that, I guess I, my takeaway is it's, it's really something where there's still work to be done, uh, important work to be done, because I do feel today, as I felt then, that there is a lot of value and a lot of importance at both going in both directions uh, for mm-hmm. better uh, cooperation between those who do academic research and those who are involved in the industry. I will tell you this related to that is I know better than ever that a lot of researchers, not all of them, some could care less, but the ones that I work with, they really want practitioner input. They really sure. want to know what practitioners think. They really want to be able to uh, put together research that is relevant as opposed to something they think is, you know, right. might yeah. be kind of cool to do. It, it, it seems like that's super important because otherwise, there, you know, what, what do we need to study? You know, it'd be nice to, you know, get a perspective. Well, I mean, there needs, and, and this was the whole premise of that Healthy Buildings Conference. There needs to be 
bilateral communication. It's got to be both ways. You know, the industry does need to learn from academia, but academia needs to understand what they need to be studying next based on industry. And right. somewhere the consumer, I always say it's a triangle. Somewhere the consumers, both residential and commercial consumers, they all got to be in the mix. It's got, there's got to be feedback and it's got to be. I they don't know really what, need, should be in the center of it all. Yeah. There, you know, there, but, there needs to definitely be some sort of cross-pollinization. All right. So here's the, here's the, the I said the good thing for researchers. The bad thing for researchers, as, as you mentioned, you kind of brought up uh, wanting to do better, more relevant research. Sure. Too often what they want to do is they want to do research that somebody's willing to pay for. So the yeah. deep pocketed uh, government and, and uh, other groups like that. Then the last, last thing I just, and, and I did talk about this earlier, but I, I would, if, if we can maybe leave it uh, with this is I would urge those who are involved uh, with uh, the in, indoor air quality industry uh, to uh, look into Siri's website. Uh, go to Siri's website, which is now you've put it up there uh, on the oh, screen. Yeah. Um, and um, we're still in the process of getting more papers there, but there there is a, a fair amount of information that we have made available that is relevant to people, uh, especially in the remediation area. We had a great paper by Ralph Moon on uh, AT, specifically about ATP and the limitations of its usefulness in uh, remediation situation, re restoration and remediations uh, situation. So, um, I, 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 that is the area where Siri is going to continue to be um, focused on providing information to the industry is through our website. So bookmark it. There you go. Yeah, and, and so it's, again, it's SiriScience.org. Uh, uh, so that's the website. We'll put it up one more time just for a reference point. There you go. Um, so I've, this is great. We, of course, we always run out of time. We never get to speak long enough because that's just, you know, I, I, I could it's spend hours speaking with you, John. That's just that's just the way it is. Likewise. Um, yeah, it's been it's been great. I'm so happy in the last several years that we've got to know each other and have an opportunity to uh, chat about these things. It's been great. Yeah. So so next week, um, just a little precursor here. Next Thursday, same uh, same bat time, bat channel. Um, we're going to be joined by Dr. David Krause. I think the person who's been on our show the most over the years. Uh, Dave, Dave's going to be back next, uh, back on the show next week. Uh, I know he's going to be speaking about Legionella uh, because that's something that's dear and uh, foremost in. But uh, those of you who don't know Dave, Dave is uh, is a, a PhD, uh, certified industrial hygienist, uh, public health, uh, worked in public health uh, in the state of Florida, ran the IQ division there for a while. So he's he's just got a wealth of knowledge uh, and uh, love having him here, you know, to discuss those things. Um, so again, if you're not a part of the uh, Healthy Indoors Online Global community, you probably should be. So, you know, healthyindoors.global is the landing page to get you where you could sign up and become a, a full-fledged member. We changed our membership uh, status a little bit now. So we are, we've uh, made the pro-level membership really inexpensive. It's like $19.95 a year. So it's less than what you spend on your uh, Starbucks coffee in probably a week. Uh, you can actually uh, become a member and get access to all these things like the wonderful Ask Me Anything that's coming up next week on the community next Wednesday again, the 28th uh, of uh, September from 1 to 2 p.m. Eastern time. We're going to have uh, Jeff May, who is just a 
just a long time expert in the industry and you'll be able to actually as a member get in log into the zoom meeting that we're gating there and uh ask jeff questions uh, on air we're moderating it and it'll be uh should be fantastic um also um you know, we, it's, it's it's just a good place to be. I think it's really worthwhile. So I'd like to thank uh, at this point, you know, John for taking time out of his busy day. Obviously, your phone's ringing off the hook while you're here, so I know you're busy. <laughs> Sorry uh, about that. <laughs> nah, it's, dude, it's like, <laughs> please, you don't need to apologize. <laughs> you know, we, we, I think, you know, run in similar circles on what we do in a given day. I know we, we have a lot more in common than we knew we had in common. Yeah. Yeah. I appreciate that. We both, we both are always running and uh, doing uh, more than, uh, you know, humanly possible, but that's okay. So um, until next week, John, again, John, thanks for joining us. Um, Thank you, Bob. We'll, We'll be we'll be back here again next week for the Healthy Indoor Show, one to two p.m. Uh, Eastern Daylight Time next week. So until next week, uh, I'm Bob Krell. Stay healthy, stay happy, and we'll see you soon. <laughs>